Hey, fellas. Welcome to Guys in Grief, sponsored by Emma's Footprints and First Candle. We started this podcast for fathers like us that have experienced pregnancy or infant loss. You see, when we went through these life-changing experiences, we struggled to find resources that were specifically for men in support of navigating this grieving process. We're not doctors. We're not psychiatrists. We're three friends. We're grieving fathers that have been through the unthinkable and want to help others by talking about the unique and often undiscussed perspective of men that have experienced child loss. We welcome you to join us on this journey. Share your stories, the challenges, laugh with us, maybe shed a tear or two, and help each other as we navigate honoring our children, grief, supporting our family, and trying to find better days ahead. Let's get into it. Well, hey, fellas, I'm Brad. I'm Brandon. I'm Brian. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Guys in Grief. How we doing, boys? Cool, good. We're good. We're good. We're good. It's good to be back with you guys. Always. You know, I'm not gonna lie to you. I am not doing good. I'm doing okay. Oh. I'm being uh, very respectful of this here. I'm not even gonna like front and be like, "Oh, I'm doing good." I'm yeah. Hey, yeah. why? Tell, dive into that. Why? They're, they're, okay, so it's just been like a long week. Obviously, we all work hard and we are doing our own things, but I think there's like a full moon out for kids. And oh. families, and these yahoos are tripping. But I love them all. But man, they're tripping this week. They are tripping. So, well, Mr. you Dan, are Mr. You Dean are Thurman headphoned here it up. Tired. You're headphoned and mic'd up, and you are away from all that. Dun, dun, dun. Um, you know, guys, it's this is the first episode that we're recording during Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been really cool seeing all the outreach and partnership. We did a raffle with Baby Loss Awareness Week and getting a really great partnership there. So just thank you to all of the listeners that have supported, that have helped to continue to generate awareness and, uh, and, and take part of everything that this month is really there to do. Um, and Brian, well, I'm going to go over to you real quick. You, uh, Mr. Worldwide, just Hello. got back from repping the pod in Florence. Give us a little yeah. bit of the and very topical today, too, as uh, you know, hearing about this international component. It is. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Cool. Ciao. Uh, yeah, I just came back from Florence. I uh, represented the podcast at the uh, International Conference for SIDS, Stillbirth, and Sewage. Uh, conference, uh, which was absolutely incredible. I was able to attend with my wife, Lindsay, and the the conference is really special because it's, it's really built for researchers and scientists and therapists um, and grieving parents, but you really get to see the research that's being done to try to prevent these horrible things from happening again. Mm. It it was really incredible um, because obviously when you go through a loss, you don't know what's being done to prevent it. And to actually see these scientists give data and they're doing research and they're really dedicating their lives to prevent these types of horrible, horrible deaths it was really eye-opening, and I'm so grateful that I got to see the work that they're doing. Um, I got to speak on a panel um, about the podcast and how we're reaching out. Um, I My uh, panelist, uh, Rihanna, uh, she is from Wales, and uh, sh- she lost her son. She does incredible work in Wales uh, to help bereaving families. Uh, so it just, yeah, I mean, we met so many great families from all across the world and, uh, I, I, I feel very fortunate that we were able to go there and I was able to represent the podcast. It sounds like you took a lot, a lot away from that, Brian. Uh, Brian, thank you, man, for going and representing us. You took a lot of information away. Yeah, it it really is like we don't we talk a lot about our feelings and how we grieve and the process, but you don't we've never really dove into like the scientific 
part of a lot of how this happens. And there's so many people out there that are really dedicating their lives to prevent this from happening. They're doing studies, they're doing research, and it's it's really amazing. And I'm very proud to represent us, you know, there at the conference. Sounds like you made some connections of uh, future episode guests that we should it, have on. I did. Well, and I, I will also say for our listeners, uh, First Candle, one of our co-sponsors, they're going to be hosting this conference in 2025. Right. Uh, so in a couple of years in Boston. And um, obviously we'll be talking about it leading up to it, but- Get your tickets re- now. Yeah. <laughs> But we really want to incorporate a lot of bereaving parents because I think it's important that these people that are dedicating their lives to this research see, you know, like the people that it's affecting and and who they're helping. And I thought that was really powerful interacting with them. And they just saw like, okay, what I'm doing is, you know, really special work. That's awesome, man. Thank yeah. you for repping the pod. And uh, I, you know, seeing a lot of the social media, I could tell when you were speaking, like literally the time of day, because the amount <laughs> of followers just like kept popping up on my phone. It was really, really cool. Yeah, it was yeah. just, it was yeah. a cool moment, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as Brian just repped the pod in Florence, we are dedicating this episode to uh, our international listeners. And I know we've talked about it before. Uh, boys, watch the timer at the bottom. I'm going to see how long it takes me to read the 48 countries that we have listeners from. All right, here we go. Ready? And go. Go. United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, Netherlands, Denmark, Spain, France, Germany, Trinidad and Tobago, Puerto Rico, Saudi Arabia, Thailand, Philippines, Norway, New Zealand, Belgium, Ireland, <laughs> Singapore, Ukraine, Greece, Switzerland, Mexico, Japan, Malaysia, Republic of Lithuania, damn, Finland, India, Cyprus, Dominican Republic, Estonia, Kenya, Italy, Morocco, United Arab Emirates, Isla- Israel, Malawi, Colombia, Bangladesh, Hong Kong, Sweden, Oman, Portugal, Bahrain, South Africa, Serbia, Armenia, and Vietnam. Ooh, man. There you go. 30 seconds. That was a 30 second read right there. Thank you very much. I I got a little winded. Um, But point B, 48 countries listen to this podcast, and we are so honored by that. We're going to do, of course, our G&G Q&A. But I wanted to just point that out because... You know, we have so many of our listeners in the United States of America, but, you know, American based fellas, I think, you know, we're getting all these listeners that get our perspective. And I think you'll value a ton from the international perspective of knowing where you're not alone and where things differentiate. So uh, excited to dive into that after this G&G Q&A. Brian, over to you. Yeah. I mean, uh, just to add on to that, loss happens everywhere. And, you know, it's it's not in our own bubble like we, it's a big community it's that's the right. entire world and it's kind of crazy to think about but it, yeah grief is global it yeah. is it's totally global so it the gng q a i wanted to talk about with you guys really quick um and, and it was kind of something that i talked with with some dads um and women at the florence conference but uh it 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 goes back to this stigma uh, that men shouldn't show their emotions when they go through a loss. They're, it's seen as weak or uh, you, you're just, you know, people don't like, you know, talking about it and the men have to hold it in. And obviously the three of us talk about our emotions a lot. But I'm curious to know if you guys ever were in any situations where you felt that stigma that I I need to, I can't show my emotions. I'm a man. I I can't be sad right now. I can't express my feelings because it's, you know, I think a feeling that a lot of guys go through and you know, especially on the international level, uh, you know, talking to people from like England and um, some like Wales, guys just don't want to express their emotions at all. They feel like they can't do that. So curious to know your thoughts on that. I'll go first, I guess. Yeah, go go for it, Brandon. So 
I, I'm pretty vocal. <laughs> if my if our listeners don't know, I'm pretty straight to the point on a lot. But I'm trying to think of like a time, and there is there's a number of times actually. Let me stop lying. But um, I think just being supportive for my wife and just having to put on my dad and father role in front of Gavi. And to be honest with you, that's actually now it's hitting me now. Yes, like putting on that that tough guy role in front of Gabby to show that, you know, I'm a strong dad. I'm here to support the whole household. And I sometimes don't want to show like any type of um, vulnerability uh, to her. And I don't know why I do that sometimes because I'm pretty comfortable like crying with her and having an emotional time. But there, there's been some times where I'm like, oh, all right, I, I can't really can't or I shouldn't do it right now because I don't want her to get upset and or have you know the questions and I and I just at the moment I just didn't know how to answer those questions um so there's definitely like yeah being with my my daughter our living daughter Gabby for sure keeping that tough guy superhero strong dad role up did you ever feel outside factors though Mm. where like you're in a situation where mm-hmm. you just felt like you had, you had to not show your vulnerability. Um, no, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, and, that's... And, I, and that's a fair point. Like I'm, I'm pretty, I, I'm, like I wear, I don't wear my emotions on my sleeve, but I'm pretty straightforward when it comes down to a lot of conversations and a lot of, uh, I, of my expression. Um, Towards our loss, with our loss, and also expressing that conversation with others. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> pretty straightforward with that right. one. Yeah. What about you, Brad? Yeah. When you sent this one a couple of days ago, the mm-hmm. two things that kind of came to mind to me. Well, and the two scenarios I'll get to in a second. But what I struggled with was like, was there actual external stigmas coming my way, mm-hmm. or was it my own mindset of a stigma Ooh. that I was manifesting right like i think people are thinking this about me or i'm worried somebody's thinking this about me they may not be doing anything that actually tells me that but i may be creating this stigma in my own mind Mm -hmm. um and i've struggled with i know i've definitively struggled with that i don't know if i've struggled with that more or actual stigmas um but the two that i that came to mind were um and I may mention this before on one of these episodes about like being the sad couple. And, you know, so for Jessica and I, we moved to this new neighborhood and we're meeting other families and, you know, we openly share our story and, you know, I've got, you know, a tattoo on my forearm that people often ask, what's that for? And, you know, you open up the story. And um, I remember finding we were really comfortable and just telling, talking a lot about Beckham and the story of the story, Beckham and Ariana. and you know especially when the pod started and talking about the podcast a lot and that i i don't know again if people were doing it or if i was manifesting it but like i didn't want to just constantly be talking to people about my sad story and i didn't want people to be like oh well you know let's not invite brad for drinks because it's just gonna go down that sad dad road so that was one that uh i've i've experienced um and another and i know our guest will talk about this a little bit in uh if if you've listened to my episode um my wife jessica and i had a tfmr with our son beckham and there's certainly stigmas associated with a termination for medical reasons um to be fair i think i've manifested that one more in my mind than the reality of nobody's ever said anything to me that is uh you know tripped me or you know made me want to lose my shit like i thought it would um but i know for a long time i was really triggered by the stigma that uh, is associated with it and it took a while to get comfortable in telling beckham's story in the way that i that he deserves to be honored yeah really well said i where i come from like when i thought about this topic i i actually thought about like where my grandparents came from so they they were Mm. both born in poland they uh were affected by world war two my grandma was shipped off to siberia my grandfather was shipped off um as a slave to german um farm to work there and when they met in buffalo new york 
And they they just put their head down and just worked after like all that pain and suffering and death that they saw. And that was that trickled down through my mom and through me, which I I think when I felt when we lost Austin, I I, I think I had some of that uh like I, I just need to put my head down like law the, the it's a loss and I I need to just keep going. I, I'm a survivor, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh. like my grandparents were. And mm-hmm. I, I think point. that that came through me a little bit where I, I did feel that stigma a little bit of I can't show my emotions vulnerability. Like I need to get back to work. I need to provide for the family. Like this isn't the end of the world. Like my grandparents survived World War II with crazy stories. Yeah. And I I again just felt this urge to do something, get get back to work. And I think that delayed a lot of my uh, vulnerability and and talking about, you know, what was really happening inside. And it goes back to the international episode, you know, like, I think that's how it was in Poland at the time. They just were hard workers and that's what happened. But I, I felt that a lot that... I mean, my grandmother survived Siberia. My grandfather survived, like... Nazi slave, like being a Nazi slave, like it, it just part of me that. is like it, it is like a survivalist mentality. So I, I, that's kind of what struck me when I we were talking about this Gene uh, GQ and A. So let's get to our guests now. I think everybody just learned a lot about Brian Scruton and family. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Awesome one. Thanks. Shout buddy. out to the Polish people out there. Absolutely. And Thanks, we will. Bud. We will be right back. This episode of Guys in Grief is brought to you by BetterHelp. Mental health after child loss is incredibly difficult to navigate on your own. And at Guys in Grief, we advocate for men to be vulnerable and seek help through therapy. Each of us have spoken with therapists throughout our loss journey and credit a sizable portion of our healing process to the benefits of therapy. So regardless of when you've experienced loss, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way. And that's why we're excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you with a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. And if you click on the link in our show notes or go to betterhelp.com forward slash guys and grief, you'll get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. Because finding a therapist is a little like dating. If you don't really fit with the therapist, which has happened to us and is a common thing in therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stress about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. So invest in your mental health today and consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash guys and grief to get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, B E T T E R H E L P.com forward slash guys and grief. Well, as we mentioned, fellas, we are incredibly honored and excited to uh, focus this episode today uh, centered around a really incredible guy uh, that is also willing to share an international perspective of, of uh, with us on grief. And so coming live and joining us in the virtual studio here, all the way from Brisbane, Australia, we welcome Chris Wood. Chris, how Woo! are you? Man? Hey, Chris. Uh, thank you. thanks for the opportunity boys really appreciate it no problem we appreciate you you. now chris what time is it there for you 
Uh, 11.05 now, a.m. A.m. on Thursday. Yep. It is 9.05 p.m. on Wednesday here. <laughs> Not really. And, but, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we jokingly said with Chris before we started that uh, we feel bad for him because we always drink while we record episodes and he's can, well, he can drink all he wants, uh, but he's probably <laughs> more likely to have coffee than a yeah. cocktail. Uh, yeah. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, uh, you know, I mentioned that you are from from Brisbane, but we'll get into your story. And I know there's a lot of layers to that. But just, you know, personally, so you live in Australia. Are you always from, always lived in Australia? What do you do professionally? Fill us in. Yeah. So, um, firstly, thank you for the opportunity. You know, I was really humbled and really, really proud. Um, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you guys do as well. yeah, so I turned turned thirty five a couple of days ago. Happy belated, um, happy, birthday. happy belated Thank birthday! You. Yeah, um, my wife and I met in Sydney. Um, I'm from Sydney, and then she's from uh, Northern New South Wales. Um, yeah, we met working together at a pub when I was twenty one. Um, we we got married. We got married eight years ago. Um, and yeah, moved moved up to Brisbane from Sydney about just under nine years ago. Uh, so currently, yeah, currently I work in construction. Um, but at the time of all our losses, uh, I had a coffee shop. Oh, fantastic! So, That's like my retirement dream is to own a coffee shop in Brisbane. <laughs> what was Australia. the name of your coffee shop? Uh, it was called Poppy's Coffee Spot. So I named it after my dog. Oh, I love, love it. Poppy's coffee yeah. shop. Yeah. That's love awesome. It. Still there. Still going. I just oh, that's it great. The start of the year. Good for you. Good for you. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, Thank maybe you. Uh, we'll, we'll have to come over to the pond uh, one day <laughs> and join you at the pub and the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I wouldn't <laughs> say no. Times two. That's right. So, Chris, uh, I know we're incredibly grateful that you're joining us here today and uh, and getting to know you just a little bit and some emails back and forth. I know there's multiple layers to your story. Um, mm. So we certainly want to uh, turn the mics to you and give you uh, the, the time and space to tell your story. Um, most notably, Liam as uh, a, a big part of your story. And then as you know, the conversation progresses, we'll talk a little bit about um, the international perspective, as we know, uh, and very grateful that you are a listener of the pod. So you hear a lot of the American perspective. Yeah. Uh, we'd love for you to shed a little light for us when we get there on uh, what it's like outside of the United States, uh, yeah. because uh, Americans are so good at thinking about anybody beyond themselves. Uh, <laughs> clearly sarcastic. Uh, we yeah. got some learning to do. <laughs> We <laughs> mean, Brad. Yeah, I know, right? I'm <laughs> Australia is a country. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did my study abroad there, so Chris, that's a oh, whole yeah? other conversation. Where'd I did. Uh, I was in the Gold Coast. Ah, very yeah. close. I loved it, man. Loved it. Yeah. Um. So why don't you take us back uh, to 2018 and start yeah. to tell us your story from there? Uh yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, my uh, we got married in 2015. Um. We didn't really start trying straight away. Um, anyway, when when we did start trying, uh, it took probably about eleven months, and we fell pregnant, um, and then miscarried in at about nine, eight, nine weeks um, with that one. And like at the time, that was you know that was one of the worst things that I'd been through. Um, you know, very, very graphic, very detailed um, miscarriage. Um, and then, you know, we're having a little bit of fertility issues. Um, we had two rounds of IUI and then a six, unsuccessful round of IVF in uh, 2020. Um, and, you know, through COVID and everything like that, it was very difficult yeah. going to appointments. Um, we, fell, we fell pregnant in at the end of 2021 with twins um through IVF yeah through IVF yeah which was uh Liam's um pregnancy and um we miscarried the first twin um in that pregnancy at about that same period about nine oh it was probably about eight weeks um 
and um you know because there was still a viable pregnancy there it was very um it was very difficult and you know things didn't happen as as straightforward as they normally would have and um and and then you know Liam's pregnancy progressed um we got to the 12 week scan and you know everything was fine um and then did they give 20- you any reason sorry to cut you off there but uh it, with the losing of the the twin um did they give you anything that was you know cause for concern for Liam upcoming or was it you know this is some of an anomaly you've got a healthy uh, pregnancy where where were you at mentally there yeah like not not really like we'd um we'd had had a couple of different different scares you know a bit of and and the problem was um that that first that first pregnancy you know passing through there was there was a lot of there was a lot of blood and you know different different things going on and so we'd automatically fear the worst and start to yeah. start to freak out and everything um but you know we'd go go have a scan and everything would be progressing as normal like growing as normal um and then um unbeknownst to us my um beth my wife her water broke at about 15 weeks and um we we didn't know it at the time we turned up to the um 20 week scan and um we were told that there was no fluid around around liam and um uh basically we were told that you know she could go into labor at any any point um and yeah from there we we went home and you know uh hibernated for for a few days and i closed i closed our shop like for the that that was like the wednesday and i took the rest of the week off um and then we just sort of started to get ready to you know for if if and when that that was to happen um and then yeah nothing really well plenty plenty happened in that 10 weeks but he he was born at um 30 plus three um yeah i didn't know the water could break at 15 weeks uh, yeah like it's um yeah yeah it, it can he, um you said he was born at thir- 30 weeks yeah yeah so he's born healthy at the time so walk us through uh, so it's uh, 30 weeks three days you have liam in yeah. your arms take us there yeah so he um we we found out at that twenty week scan that he was going to be born with a um with a lung condition called pulmonary hyperplasia. Um, so basically, what that is is the you know the lungs haven't developed um, and uh, the amniotic fluid is what's um you know is what gives gives them growth and they you know. From from memory, I think it was probably their development period was around eighteen to twenty four weeks. I think, um, yeah. So Beth had no no fluid during that time, uh, so he would he would ur- urinate in utero, and that would just come come straight through basically. And yeah, it was just yeah, it was a it was a heavy period, but you know, no one no one ever believes that their child is gonna is is going to die and so we were told that you know he he had a 10 to 20 percent chance of survival um but they wouldn't know how dam how bad the damage was to his lungs until he was born until until you know he was a lot like alive and you know earth earth side basically so yeah so he's so okay so walk us through there so he is born what do the doctors do what do you guys do what happens yeah so um uh so yeah beth um he he was born yeah he was born at 30 plus three and um my wife spent the final six weeks of the pregnancy in hospital she um she was developing signs of a um infection and um so she spent basically that last six weeks on bed rest and um he yeah he was in a position where the the cord was between 
um, between him and the um, like the the cavity, um, and I can't remember the name. Sorry, and uh, no, not the placenta. The like the the canal, basically, like where the where the baby comes out. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and, no guy and sh- listening on this pod is going to know. <laughs> I don't even know why I took it. I was wondering. No, I've, I've said it. That, you know, yeah. The thing is, I've said it that many times, but I just, sure. yeah, it's, it's a bit a of a brain freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so he's alive, called, he's breathing, he's, what are they yeah, saying? Yeah, so yeah. Beth um, called prolapse in the bathroom. So what that means is, you know, he's, the cord, the cords coming out before him, basically, and um, oh. yeah, a midwife, a midwife called me. I, I was at home, and a midwife called me saying, "You know, you've got to get to the hospital ASAP. Um, you know, we, um, Beth's going in for an emergency Caesar." And um, yeah, he was born in twenty-eight minutes, um, and then he was born, um, and and his lungs were were fucked basically, and um, he needed to be brought back uh four times in the first uh first hour so it was pretty um yeah it was were you there heavy. for this or was this happening while you were uh, in I, I was on my well i was on my way to the hospital when he was born and then i missed the opportunity to go to go into the room and um yeah I, like i was waiting out in the in the hallway of the hospital and then she she was pretty she was pretty sick as well um she had lost uh 1.9 liters of blood and for an emergency cesarean they don't really like any more than a liter being lost uh so oh. she she was quite unwell as well so i was you know uh torn it's a lot torn, of emotions really. right yeah right. yeah shit shit load. like mm. i was i was a mess so, yeah. Did you have any family there supporting you during that time? Like, uh, obviously, not... you're getting all this information of you know your wife is not doing well, your baby's not doing well. Um... Yeah. Not 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 initially. Um, mm-hmm. Beth's parents live about three three hours away from Brisbane. So when I was on on the way to the hospital, I called called my sister who lives in mm-hmm. Melbourne, and um, I called Beth's mum mum and dad, and then they got straight in the car. And yeah, he was born. He was born at seven thirty p.m. and they they got to the hospital at about midnight. So yeah, I was just. So when did yeah. they? When did you get to your wife and to Liam? Uh, when when she came when she came out of recovery. Um, yeah, I, I was waiting in the. I was waiting at the recovery room for her, and um, met met her there, and that was you know. Not not long after, really, probably twenty minutes, twenty to thirty minutes after, um, and then they they took Liam straight down to the NICU, and um, yeah, it it was about nine o'clock, nine p.m. that I got to see him. And was he alive? Yeah, yeah, he was alive. Yeah, so he lived for he lived for twenty two hours. Um, okay. And I spoke to I spoke to the head head doctor that was on at the time in the NICU and and she said to me basically that um you know if he can survive through the night it will be a it will be a good outcome um and then you know like they were just giving him everything and everything anything that they could to to keep him alive um and yeah but he was pretty sick and so so, yeah he he died on Sunday Sunday night at 5 30 were you guys with him when that happened or was he yeah in? yeah we we were with him we were with him the whole time basically um oh yeah so yeah he he died in my arms actually <sighs> so sorry he he was in your arms yeah yeah we um you know because like through covid and a lot of that a lot of the the appointments and everything I, I missed out on and yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, because there was no fluid as well. Like I could re- rarely feel him kick 
and and everything like that as well like uh, my wife could could feel could feel everything happening throughout the pregnancy and you know naturally she was always at the stand but a lot of a lot of things i missed out on and yeah. you know when it was becoming becoming evident that um you know he he wasn't going to survive it was what i wanted if if beth was okay with it that um yeah that he died died in my arms and you know it's something something that i'll never forget never forget either you know i feel like that's one of those things where you feel not detached but like a part of yeah the whole process and and it's kind of a great bonding but yeah definitely definitely it's um yeah like it's Mm -hmm. it's indescribable really um I get. I just went. How is Bethany doing? I know it yeah. sounds like her body has gone through an unbelievable amount, and the amount of blood she lost was yeah. she okay? Ah, oh, she's without a, prying fuck, too much. She's a she's a survivor. Like she's a fuck. Like she's a warrior. And um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she she's doing she's doing okay. Um, she's doing all right. She's she's been through a lot in her in her life. Um, but yeah, she's doing okay. Thank you. And I know, unfortunately, that is not where your lost story ends mm. with the tragedy and heartbreak of Liam. Uh, we'll certainly come yeah. back to Liam, but um, I know there's a little more for you to to share. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, at the end of last year, we um, we fell pregnant naturally. We weren't um, we weren't aware of it at the time, but we were pregnant um, at Christmas last year. And, you know, that was our first Christmas after, after Liam dying. And that was naturally pretty, pretty heavy. Um, and then in January, January this year, uh, yeah, towards the end of January, we we had to terminate that pregnancy due to a, um, ectopic pregnancy. Um, it was a, it was a corneal ectopic, which means that, um, the, the egg has attached to the, the corner of the fallopian tube and the uterus. And yeah, it had began to grow back into, into the tube. So it's incredibly dangerous um, for, for Beth. And uh, yeah, so we had to terminate that. And that mentally, that just set us both back, a, you know, a long way. Um, and how far along was that pregnancy? Uh, we... We we found out we found out um, at about seven weeks, um, but it took it took a good couple of couple of weeks to arrest. And you know, by the time that Beth had miscarried the pregnancy, we were like we were probably we were about ten weeks. Um, so they had to terminate it via a round of chemo, and um, that was the least non-invasive way of doing it um and then it was basically you know here's the round um come back in a week and we'll you know uh we'll see if you know if the heartbeat has has stopped and yeah i'm so so sorry chris i mean that what you've gone through is just horrible yeah. How did you and your wife come to the decision to try again after the mm. very difficult loss, you know, of Liam? Uh, yeah, we we weren't re- like we weren't really um like I wouldn't say that we weren't not trying, but sure. to be honest, like we've had a lot of we've had a, a lot of fertility issues, so we didn't really think that you know we were going to fall pregnant, and um you know mentally we we both weren't it just wasn't a priority i guess and then yeah you know her, she her, she missed her period and then we thought nah fuck no way I, and <laughs> I mean i, it, I don't it, speak yeah. for brandon but like you know i mean well, he's my brother-in-law i know the fertility issues yeah. that they've had and yeah. myself too like i'd never in a million years would have yeah i mean the amount of money and time and effort that we've spent trying to get pregnant to yeah. just know that it could naturally happen would blow my mind so i yeah i can completely relate to how you're feeling that you guys would never even have contemplated 
No. That would be and, successful. Yeah. yeah, so um Wow. I've never heard is... that chemo. Mm. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It, because it was very, very close, like it was very close to a tube and it was a case of, you know, if we you know, if, like go in and surgically remove it, then you know, we'll more than likely be taking taking your tube out with it. Um no. so like we were we were given it we were given a few options and that seemed to be the least uh less invasive and um and then what turned out to be she ended up miscarrying it um in the hospital as well which was again the like the least sort of the best case scenario so it was yeah that that was um that was nuts we're in the we're in the hospital um and yeah, she miscarried in in the in the bedroom of the hospital. Oh my God, I'm so yeah. sorry, yeah. man. You know, so, you said Bethany, and you're absolutely right. As a, a fighter and a survivor, and but yeah, yeah, to give yourself a lot of credit too, my friend. The fact that yeah, you yeah. are standing and you're telling your story here with us today, and uh, I'm, I'm certain this isn't the first that you've uh, maybe on a podcast, but um, you are certainly a survivor yourself too, my friend. Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, like, what you know, what what other choice? You know, there's not there's not really much other choice than to keep, um, you know, keep keep moving. And I and I hate yeah. to I hate to say that sort of thing, and you know, sound like a, you know, the cliches and sound like a wanker. But seriously, there's sometimes what what other option is there? You know. You're no, absolutely... I, can, I can relate to that so much. Yeah. I mean, sitting, thinking about how sad you can be, mm. or like what happened, is it can weigh yeah. on you. It, it's a weight. Yeah. And I understand that the need to, you know, move forward. And I appreciate yeah. and thank you for your vulnerability yeah. and telling your story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. really, thank you. We recently posted a quote, you either quit or keep going. They both hurt. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's exactly what this is. Brandon, go ahead. Yeah. With, within that, so like, obviously you keep going, you put your head down and work, but was there any type of, um, for you and Bethany, therapy, mental health breaks? Um, how did you guys deal with this mentally and physically, yeah. obviously? But so yeah, what, I get, what, this what is were, like where we're getting into the international stuff, right, yeah. Brandon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and were there yeah. resources? Like, yeah, they, so what's it yes. like? Mm-hmm. yeah so so for us like resource wise there's um there's a few there's a few like really really good op- options like um sands and red nose um mm-hmm. uh what i would would say in my experiences anyway are the leaders in providing um you know resources for you know uh, bereaved parents, um, especially. I met infant, the executive you know. director of Red Nose in Florence. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And... yeah. So um, they're they're definitely. They, I think they've just come together. Um, really. Um, yeah. So they're they're the leaders, and mm-hmm. then each state has its own sort of charities set up um, to help. Uh, you know, like recently bereaved parents in their mm-hmm. in their communities so um you know through through various sort of through various ways but um yeah i spoke um i spoke at an event um which was a, a red note uh sands event um a couple of weeks ago uh yeah and just Good and for told, you. told our story i mean how mm-hmm. did you get to that point like like Obviously, you've gone through so much devastating losses. Yeah. Talk us through your emotions weeks following this with, you know, yeah. you and your wife. And I mean, it must say, like, how do you how do you even come on a podcast right now yeah. and, and talk yeah, yeah. about that? Yeah. So for me, for me, actually talking, talking about it helps, helps me yeah. a lot. And um you know, I'm like I'm like anyone. You know, I have my good days and I have my bad days, and some days I can articulate things better, better, better than others. But um, you know, for me, I hit my I hit my rock bottom probably about this time last year, and um, 
there was a very, very brief period where I, you know, contemplated suicide. And um, to be honest, the thought, the thought of doing that to my wife and the thought of my dog sitting at the front window every night um, waiting for me to come home was, you know, was enough motive, like, was enough motivation to, to keep, to keep going and for me at the time you know I was just super frustrated by the lack of you know support and the lack of resources that I had um that I had available and yeah, yeah I was just I was really pissed off like really pissed off with the world um and As yeah you and be. you know when you hit rock, yeah. I guess when you hit rock bottom the only way is up like, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I, I had the same emotions. Like yeah. I, I, I was with you. You know, you just you feel yeah. alone, right? And yeah. it just, yeah, I I totally understand yeah. where you're coming from, and and I can relate to that. So you you mentioned the lack of resources, and you know, mm-hmm. obviously, we created a podcast because yeah. there are very very little in the United States. Yeah. Um, let's let's start to delve deeper into that. You know. We're not uh, dubbing you to be an international expert by any means, Chris. Like, yeah. So don't feel like you got to speak on behalf of the entire world. Uh, oh, but no, from no. your individual perspective, you know, what are resources like available in Australia for lost parents, more particularly for lost grieving men? You know, I definitely, I definitely feel over the next coming, like next couple of years, things are going to get a whole lot better. Um, well, uh, you know, a lot better, but at, at the time it took me, um, it took me six psychologists to, uh, before, before one would see me and, um, you know, I was back at work after three weeks and I hated, hated being, being at work. Um, at the coffee shop? Yeah. At the coffee shop. Yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll self, Which self. you have to interact with people every day. Yeah. That's not yeah, like a... And, you know, quiet yeah. behind the desk job no. like you. And, oh, and for me, for me, I'm a terrible liar as well. You know, yeah. so <laughs> if people if people can see that, you know, I'm I'm down in the dumps, like it, it stands out. And um, yeah. So, um, you know, my wife was still on was still on mat like um mat leave when mm-hmm. when Liam died and. You know, she she went back to work sort of part time at about October November, and just gradually worked worked her way, you know, back up to you know full time by the end of the year. How um, was your communication between you and your wife after this uh, we, loss? Yeah, good. Like we've always been very very open, um, and and we talk talk a lot. But you know, I would I would have good days, and she she would be, you know in the middle of a bad day and it's just sort of, um, uh, would she tell you it, about it or did you have to like read into yeah. it? So we had a, um, we had a score, like we had a, a scoring sort of system and mm-hmm. it was basically one to 10 on, in terms of how high, how high the grief is. And we call each other, we call each other dickhead quite often. So it was, um, <laughs> It was one to ten, dickhead. That was our that was our scoring system, and you know, any like quite often, you know, we were sitting around at seven and a half to eight, like, and you, you know, you can find your ways to function at that. But if it was higher, if it was higher than that, then you know, there were there were more questions asked um, of each other. So. Yeah, for, for me as well. I absolutely love that. Yeah, by the yeah way. I'm gonna start using a that with you guys. Scale. Yeah. Oh my god. Thank yeah, you cool. very much, yeah, Chris, for being the first person to ever use dickhead and wanker on the pod. I am <laughs> really, I'm really excited oh, about you. both of those. <laughs> so, yeah, I, sorry. Uh, are you kidding me? We'd say fucking yeah. stuff like that all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, Chris. Um, Sometimes so, there's no other way to say it than it, there there fucking right. way, you know, to make your point. Like, exactly. A shitty situation. Absolutely. Agreed. Exactly. So you heard our G&G Q&A where, you know, Brian talked to us about stigmas, you know, yeah. in yeah, overseas. So, you know, you heard some of the United States based stigmas. Yeah. Do the same exist? How would, what's the support oh. system like the infrastructure? Do right. you, 
do you have yeah. you know kind of open up there for us definitely i think i think there's a big problem at the moment um with how you know so like in in australia there's a big thing about like oh she'll be right you know just sort of get on get mm. on with it you know don't yeah. don't worry about it you know just just keep keep moving and um for like you know my my dad died in 2013 and like when Liam died this was so much so much worse like so much i dealt like really struggled to be able to deal with it and everything like that and i really felt like not not everyone, but from a a generalization point of view, there was that sort of definite that um you know she'll be right type attitude, just you know oh just keep you know keep going mate don't you know just um and and i fuck I hated it and so there's a there's a big big issue with like that. did you did your friends or your best friends did you kind of feel that like, oh, just move on with it. Yeah, like, keep I, I going. Think, I think from their from their point of view, you know, a couple of them had have young kids as well, and uh, I think just just in general, there was that sort of them not knowing how how to help me. So mm. there was there was silence, and mm. for anyone that's been through what what we've been through silence is worse than saying you know unless you're saying something fucking stupid like silence is worse way so much worse than saying nothing because it's just you know just want just want to just want to acknowledge to be acknowledged you know yeah it sounds internationally consistent right i thought you were going to say like Oh, they said, oh, you're still young. You can have another. I swear uh, I thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah. I'm like, oh, these motherfuckers didn't say that shit. We've, <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, like I've heard it before. And like oh. this one particular guy, this um, he, he was a customer. And um, mm-hmm. probably the worst thing that's been said to me was, um, he's like, hey, hey, mate, you know, just just know that there's always someone worse off than you. Oh fuck, mate! What? Seriously, Weird. did you throw scolding coffee nah, in his face? No, I didn't. I didn't. I um. Yeah, there you go. I'm not. Are like, you kidding me? I'll either go from zero to a to a hundred like real quick, and because it was my business, or a ten, too, dickhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> your business. You got to I just, business, I didn't. So. Yeah, you're at a ten, dickhead, right now. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just wore it, but um, you know, saying like. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not really super confrontational in that type with sure. customers and people that are providing me with an income. So it's, you know, you got to swallow that something one. That, yeah, yeah. Don't were, get me were wrong. There, was there any community that you found uh, of people talking about this in Australia, yeah. like in your community? Yeah. Is it hard to find people that have gone through well, loss? the the communities are definitely there like you've just got to um you've just got to go you know looking for them and that they're probably not in the conventional places that you would think but sands have um monthly support groups for um you know for bereaved parents and be, because I'm a I'm you know I feel better speaking um I went to a few of those and um, the ones did you that find I've been them online, to, or like, how, how did you find them? Yeah, so each each city, like you know, where there's a Sands office, each city's got their own, you know, support group. Sort of, you know, meet at different different places and everything like that. And I was fortunate. I was fortunate that um, that they are that they're pretty pretty close to me as well, and that I didn't really have to travel too far. Um, but we live we live pretty close to the city but you know I, I feel for people in the rural areas because if you're you know if you're like me and like face-to-face talking there's probably not going to be as many anywhere near as many options you know point. if you're in the country mm-hmm. um it's so spread but out. all the big all the big charities have their online on their have their online platforms um but they're just not my they're not really my thing yeah mm-hmm. you know how'd you find us um, Google, uh, Instagram, Instagram. 
There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, I've, you know, yeah, in the grand. <laughs> it, it's like, it, it really fascinates me just, it, obviously we talk a lot about what we feel in America and being vulnerable and yeah. uh, we talk a lot about communication, like with your spouse. And mm. it sounds like you have such a great, uh, like communication relationship yeah. with yeah. your spouse. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel any point where um, there you didn't have that support outside of your wife, like friends or, you know, like um, other people that like weren't there for you? Or yeah. Like can I, you just speak on like, it, I, I don't know, like yeah. anything that you saw, thought was different? Yeah, I think my my circle definitely got uh, a lot smaller um after after Liam died and and for me you know I always remember who was there for me at, at, at my worst and everything like that and um and, and you know like I don't want to I don't like to talk shit about anyone or or be be that sort of person but um you know it's just for, for me yeah I just always remember who was there for me at my worst and mm-hmm. yeah stuff yeah stuff like that but my circle definitely got smaller but my, you know, my mum, my sister, and my wife were fucking amazing, amazing support for me. And and without them, you know, I would have been a hell of a lot worse. Well, if they weren't there for you before, they're certainly not listening to this podcast. So feel free right. to talk shit about them all day long. <laughs> no, <Nah. laughs> nah, they probably will. My, I reckon my mum definitely will. Well, no, oh, yeah, really your mom's in the good category. Oh, I'm saying the ones that weren't so. that. there for you, they're not listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. It's not my, it's not my style. You know. Is there any, no, no, I was just saying with you. Is there anything that, uh, you know, that you've noticed or observed from, you know, either our podcast or Instagram or other groups that you're like, wow, this is a glaring difference in the um, community or the support internationally for men. Yeah, I don't, um, oh, to be honest, not, not really. And, and I think that's, you know, like a lot of the things that you guys talk about, even though we're on the other, I'm on the other side of the world, there's still that same, you know, I guess humans to, to an extent are just focused on, you know, the same, same things. And like, um, you know, being, being a developed nation, like as well, like we've got this, you know, the same sort of resources and, um, but people still have the same same you know mindset with things, and men are men are pushed pushed to the side, and you know it really it really shits me. Yeah, okay. it's uh, we've and said you, you can understand like and... you can understand why the suicide rate is so much higher, and yeah. to an to an extent, I, yeah. to an extent, I don't want to you know say things like that, but um, the, the level of care I mean, is just the, not the, the same. Thought happens, yeah. We, like, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. it, there's a lot of listeners, including myself, that have had that thought. And yeah. thank you for sharing it. Sarah. You know, it, yeah. it blows my mind. We in season one, where we actually had per the amount of episodes, we had more guests in season one than we have in season two. It was never mm-hmm. once brought up in season one. You were the yeah, third right. guest to mention this that season, in season yeah. two. Wow. And so uh, I'm I'm wondering if we're creating a more vulnerable community that people are willing yeah. to, um, you know, I'm not giving ourselves kudos by any means. I'm saying like we as in this uh, grief community, the more we yeah. share, the more open we are, uh, maybe the more people are willing to open up that vulnerable state. And yeah. I think it's really powerful. I, can, I think so too. Can I yeah. just, um, I want to ask you about your journey. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it, you're really impressive being on this podcast and talking about it, how do how does talking about it make you feel, and how how has it been a part of your healing process to speak at these events, and yeah. how did you get there? Like, obviously there was yeah. sadness. How did you get to this point? Um, yeah, so for me, it's just been a progressional thing, really. Um, since you know, since everything that we've been through, I've started, um, 
you know, I've started a touch football team of bereaved dads and, you know, I've had more conversations with, with other guys, you know, in my local area that have been through similar shit. And, um, you know, I've, I've started a petition to, you know, to change things like from a government point of view. And it just sort of, I just get to the point where I'm like, no, fuck, I've had enough of it, you know, it's pissing me off and I need to, I need to say, say more. And, and, you know, if I piss people off, then I don't really care. Um, I'm like, I'm a a fighter. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a fighter and like, and a protector and, you know, I really, really feel for, for Bury parents and everything that they've, they've been through and and i think that you know non-lost parents can quite easily um not not obviously not everyone but they can quite easily put you know their their emotions to the side and it's there's definitely situations where it's a case of oh i don't really want to go there i don't want to bring my uh bring my headspace down or any, anything like that but fuck we're we're part of society as well and you know you think about how many how many, um, you know, pregnancies end up in, you know, termination or loss, loss of any kind. So I fuck, we're way more, we're way more common than what people, Great you know, want to talk about. And yeah, so yeah, I just want to say, do my thing. You're doing it. You can tell just on that way of you're honoring your kid's name and, and, yeah. and saying their name and telling their stories. <clears throat> but excuse me, are there any other ways that you're honoring your children? Tattoos, candles. Show that arm. Show that arm. Chris. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've got um, Ooh. I've got his um, uh, yeah, the, yeah. So he's, beautiful. Oh, yeah, now I've got his name, uh, date of birth, and mm-hmm. and footprint, and yeah, fuck, he had, he had massive, he had massive feet, feet and hands, and mm-hmm. um, like that was like, so he was born at thirty weeks, and that's mm-hmm. like. Yeah, thirty size of his yeah. sport. That's yeah. so cool. How did how did yeah. you do that? You had you had his footprint and you just brought it and they Yeah. Like, yeah, we got like it? we got there was one there was one that was really like proper, like flush. Mm-hmm. And um a regular a regular of mine at the coffee shop is a is a tattooist and mm-hmm. um I just took the took the actual print in and then he mm-hmm. just went straight over straight over the top of it with the with the stencil and um and yeah so i've you know i've got tattoos um we my wife and i and our dog we go for a walk on a Mm -hmm. on a sunday night at 5 30 um beautiful and you know which was the day and time that he Mm -hmm. died um and then yeah we scattered we scattered part of his ashes in the in the ocean and so whenever i can i go down to this particular beach that we um that we scattered these ashes, which is probably mm-hmm. on average once a, you know, once every two months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but like, I will, I will say that I never, never am never not thinking about him. So it's, yeah. yeah and never not missing him. So it's not to, you know, I try and honor him in every good thing that I do mm-hmm. in my life. You know, sure. I do plenty of dumb shit, but like, um, we all do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I yeah. found it uh, really interesting, and I wanted to point it out. You, you have a, you said it's like a touch football, like yeah. uh, league. I heard that for the first time in the conference in Florence uh, with uh, my panelist Rianne. She runs. They have a, a soccer or football over there. Yeah. Yep. A team for bereaved parents, and yep. she said how incredible that was for dads who Mm. didn't really want to be vulnerable but it was such a safe space Mm. for them to go meet other grieving dads where it was like they wouldn't even really have to talk about it but they just you you know like you're yeah you're with a group and i found that so interesting because we don't really have that. And I was like, I, I, I want to bring that to America yeah. because that's so cool to like bring a group of grieving dads together and, and play sport. You know, yeah. sports is like universal for men. Um, I thought that was so cool. Like what yeah. you do. And yeah, like for us, um, you know, similar, similar thing. And, um, 
Yeah, I just for me, I knew I knew a couple of guys that had lost had lost kids, um, you know, through through my shop, like through the coffee shop, and um, you know, I started started with them, and then I posted in a couple of different um, groups that I'm a part of, just just asking if anyone was interested, if they were interested, you know, here's my number, um, you know, add me on on Facebook and, and we'll go from there, you know, sort of work out the details from that. And, um, yeah, we're currently in our second season. There's, um, there's nine of us. Um, and you know, once a month or whatever, we go, go to the pub on a, on a Saturday Arvo and, um, you know, just talk shit really. Like just talk about, just talk about life and, uh, unfortunately you know everything that i've been through you know a couple of them have been through have been through worse and it just um just gives us a platform to you know to be comfortable and just share our stories and share our struggles it's amazing to know you're not alone and and man you are doing you have been through so Mm. much but you are doing some incredible things to honor Liam's legacy and uh yeah you know as we start to come to a close here we always like to be able to give our guests the 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 last opportunity to speak their uh their lost child's name on the pod uh and certainly anything else that you'd like to leave us with so Chris we'll we'll turn it to you yeah um yeah well I, you know I miss him I miss Liam dearly and um I will I will say for for anyone anyone listening the name Liam means uh strong-willed warrior in Gaelic and uh fuck that's exactly what he is and that's mm. that's what his mum is as well and um yeah I'm just really glad that you know we we got time we got time with him and yeah obviously yeah yeah thanks for the opportunity too boys you're an amazing are, dad you. you're a strong-willed warrior Chris absolutely <laughs> So yeah, thank you time. so much for this. Uh, thank you for taking time on your Thursday morning to spend oh, with good. us. And uh, yeah, this was week off, incredibly We went away. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Um, Smart. Listeners, thank you for another amazing episode. We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you, guys. Love you, guys. Love you, guys. Love you. If you valued from this content, we ask you to share this podcast with others that can equally benefit. Leave us a five-star review on whichever platform you're listening to help us improve our outreach and to follow Guys in Grief on Instagram and Facebook. Also, if you'd like to join us and share your story, email us at guysandgrief@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.